Hello. How are you doing today, sir? I'm doing wonderful. How are you? Pretty, pretty good. Pretty, 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 pretty good. Okay. <laughs> I feel like we're on a first date. This is so terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, guys. So we're, we're doing music today. Hold on, hold on, hold on. What? We just we went back and we listened to all our other intros that we did from like the previous episodes. And then we were like, oh my god, these are kind of cringy. And then we did a, a perfect example of what a cringy intro is like. Yeah, you know, it's it's. I think it's just how our <laughs> how our podcast is gonna be. Just the, the crappy, cringy intros. It gets better towards the end, though. I feel like I yeah. feel like it's good quality it's, after the intro. It's got the intros have personality, but like the actual meat of the pod boxes. Yeah, are are a lot better. All right, like the prime ribs, you know. All right, all right. Dipped in barbecue sauce. Meat? Is that because I said meat? Yeah. All right. All right. Well, let's. We're. we're, Is that all your notes? Um. Yes, but well, no. It's the things to help me remember. There's entire conversations behind each of these. Okay. Good. You make me nervous. (laughs) Yeah. I asked this dude if he had enough research. He's like, yeah. And I look at his phone. There's like. Three sentences of <laughs> notes. <laughs> no, there's also this. Oh, okay. But then each one is its own conversation, and then there's also a web page. Sweet. But first, I think we should start with the history. History of music. Yes. Do you know anything about history of music? I know Beethoven was one of the early guys, and um, NF is one of the later guys. NF? Yeah. What is that? It's He's a... It, Never mind. Point is, I don't. <laughs> I don't know anything about okay. the history. Well, since I like history and whatever, and you know, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. We're gonna get into the history of music. So, originally, before I started researching, I knew that music was for people to socialize and come together and to get closer as a tribe so they can survive but throughout my research I've discovered more about it it's that earliest evidence that we have of music was found as a bone flute that was that dates back to about 40,000 years ago that's just ones that we found imagine how long before that we've started creating and making music during prehistoric era a lot of things that like aren't um, that decompose after a while I think it's yeah, that's that's like, the biggest flaw because the bone and the things that we make instruments out of, like wood, they love to decompose. So we have barely any evidence of it. Yeah, but like, bro, you know what would be great to do with Uncle Johnny when he dies? Use his dead body, arm, bone to make a flute. I think they use the animals they kill. I don't know if they they used old uncle johnny oh well, somebody at some point has definitely used old uncle johnny just maybe not as much as other I mean, things i don't doubt it well sure i mean obviously it's like there's cannibals like, there's resource management is, is all that is technically they're just playing this flute like uncle johnny's soul is in this <laughs> he sounds so beautiful <laughs> all right and i'm playing uncle jolly flute Uncle Jolly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uncle Jolly. All right. All right. Um, this is the last episode before Christmas, huh? It is. Yes. That lines up with everything. Nice. M- Merry Chrysler, everybody. <laughs> yeah. Merry Christmas. 
Okay, so the, the ancient music amongst the hunter-gatherers was known to be all improvision because they did it on the fly because they had no form of structure. They just bang a stick on the wood and sing to it. Uh, if you're a hunter-gatherer, you don't have to care. You don't have the means to carry a big instrument around, so you would use things like, such as sticks in your voice. You know. Yeah. Because it would get damaged or it'll just be too heavy for you. You're more worried about carrying food and water around. It'd probably be the the first in- instance of uh, human drummers. Yeah. So we have the prehistoric era, and we have the hunter gatherers. That's the that's the age of the hunter-gatherers. And then now we have the farming age. Uh, when humans first started to farm, they were able to settle and create more fragile musical instruments that they didn't have to carry around all more often. They also created the circle of music. Uh, so they used the circle of the seasons, so like summer, winter, fall, spring, and the circle of life So to influence their musical prowess, I guess you'd say. Yeah, so they invented uh, musical rituals, so they would, like, dance in circles and stuff, just like the circle of life. Like, help the farms grow? Yeah, they would, it would, it had meaning behind it, like, a random deity would help their crops grow if they dance around this fire, holding hands with colorful clothing or whatever. Rituals. Yeah. Witchcraft at its earliest. (laughs) So, and then we have the town age. So when humans started settling into towns, the instruments could become more permanent and heavy because you started to set solid foundations to the soil and create large buildings. This brought the pianos, those big-ass fucking bells, what do they call them? Dongs or Kongs? Gongs. Gongs. And this also brought the change in social hierarchies. Uh, Music then on was created to serve the king or the queen and the church. Through this development, concerts became a thing, but concerts were a thing of the higher middle class or upper class. And for most people, they didn't have the time to sit back and relax and enjoy the concerts. For the lower class, the music was served more functionally. They would often sing as groups as they did hard labor jobs. There was no distinction between who created the music and who listened to it. It was also... uh, yeah, it was the same people who created the music and who listened to the music because it's uh, you're doing labor all together and you're chanting together. Yeah. And then the higher upper class, there was a p- person who made the music, the proposer or whatever you're doing. Composer. Word is. The composer, yeah. And then there's the peop- audience who listened to it. Makes sense. And then now, after that, little science. there was a. Little science. It was about a thousand years ago, the Italian monk named Gideon. Dorezzo invented staff notations. Yeah, a little science. And Western music was never the same again. Yeah, a little science. This is a form of church control. A little science. Can little. you stop? Okay. Let Bye. me finish this shit. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so a thousand years ago, this Italian monk invented staff notation, and the Western music was just completely altered back then because uh, this was a form of church control, so it ensured that even the furthest church from the capital would sing the exact same music as the ones in the capital. It allowed, it allowed the mass reproduction of the same sounds and notes across the world. Then we have the Renaissance and the beautiful composers such as Beethoven and then on. So the, the staff notations basically allowed 
for the same songs and same sounds to be copied throughout the world because it became music became an object it, it was put on paper so previous to this it was um, every composer had their own because there was no universal language of music so they would all create their notes and improvise until the dawn of staff era in western music or staff notation and, that's and in a little science Oh, I, I forgot what it was. Oh, wait, wait. The hard labor. Um, duh. Okay, so brains, right? Uh, when you're listening to brains. music, a whole bunch of stuff is happening, especially depending on what exactly the music is about. Like if there's any imagery, it activates the imagery in your head or the, the memories or the sounds. Pretty much your entire brain can be used in any particular song and um, using music to help yourself through uh, labor and things like that hard work in prison and all that is, is a very common um, you said that was like one of the first reasons that it was made right the first reasons it was made was to gather people around the campfire so they wouldn't get eaten alive one of by the wolves. first relative today like like next came entertainment and hard work so when the the dawn of the towns so when the people started creating city-states and large cities with large foundations there was two types there was the concerts and the upper middle class and the upper class and there was also the poor people which were the laborers yeah so um both of those kind of tie in to the why would you just sit down and look at it and then also why would you just be saying that while doing physical labor? Well, it, it literally has the capability of making your brain happier, which is why I, I feel like most people nowadays can account for that, where, like, um, either it's, you know, you have, like, a favorite song that you know, or, like, you listen to this new song, and you're like, oh, wow, that's cool, I like that, and you start listening to it more. It, it literally affects your brain in ways that, like, drugs might, or uh, sex might, or food might, just just with the power of sounds going into your ears. Yeah, it helps you distract yourself from your hard labor job, you know, because you're out here beating at, what, iron nodes for hours and hours, so. Yeah, and, and it helps. it helps bring people together when they're all chanting together, you know. Yeah, yeah, it helps you feel like you're not alone. Yeah. Um, so that's a little bit of a psychological therapeutic effect, but then also you mentioned distraction. That's actually the biggest reason that scientists think that music is so helpful in tough situations is because of the distraction aspect. It gives you something else to focus on while you kind of autopilot the crappy part. Yeah. Yeah. Emotions and feelings. I feel like we're getting quieter and quieter as you put that phone down. Oh. Hello. What? Oh, I, I don't know. Am I back? Yes. Oh, okay. Hello. I doubt they noticed, but I noticed with our headphones. <sighs> yeah. Um, anyways, connection to mood. Um, there's a whole bunch of public information on the National Library of Medicine. I think it's a government website. Um, but music even has the capability of helping with brain degenerative diseases, like um, like uh, Alzheimer's, for example. Um, Alzheimer's 
uh, has been people with Alzheimer's when their brain is degenerating, like dancers and singers or people who just like songs. Even when they're really far gone, if you play a song that they used to know really well, it can kind of bring them back a little bit and they'll start singing or dancing to it. And they can even learn new songs when they're not able to learn other new things uh, in later stages of Alzheimer's. How does that work? Uh, we, we don't know yet. We're still studying, but it's it seems like a very promising thing for almost like a treatment or at least to slow down the progression of Alzheimer's to give them pleasant music to listen to as much as possible. Damn, music is very impactful. Yeah, and uh, people who have specifically lost melody comprehension um, in studies for brain damage, um, they are still able, like, like basically if you can't tell that a song is happening, like what the melody is, um, it, it's not quite a song to you. You can still feel the emotion behind whatever is playing. Like, a, hey, there's a song playing. What emotion do you feel? And you could feel if it's like a somber tone or like a happy tone, for example. Yeah. It's it's just all the different areas in your brain that get activated for different kinds of music. It's crazy how different notes impact the emotions you feel, too. Yeah, it's literally... Like the minor notes... They sound so sad. Yeah. The majors sound so happy. And then the suspended sounds suspenseful, maybe. <laughs> Anyways, uh, but we were talking about, like, a string theory earlier. How I, was, I thought that it correlated or somewhat could be correlated with a uh, string theory. Do you want to define what a string theory is? Or you want me to do it? You do it. I've done it before. It's your turn. So string theory is, so you have the atom, right? The smallest things that make up the universe around us. And these atoms are made out of quartz, right? And with string theory is the belief that these quartz are made out of little strings. And these little strings vibrate different frequencies to create different types of matter or different types of things. So that's what the string theory is. So the, the frequency that we hear with music is the atoms themselves vibrating amongst each other, not the atom itself vibrating. But I feel like it could relate some way and somehow with like musical prowess and the creation of matter no, in the universe. No, to be fair, you said quarks, but there's also a leptons, a gauge bosons, and the Higgs boson. Um but my my counter was that these vibrations uh, basically vibrate at a di- different frequency determines which lepton it is or which quark it is or whatever um, is kind of like music but you don't actually detect that in the atoms when you're hearing music in the air right uh, at sound waves the atoms are bumping into each other to create those waves but the actual vibrato- vi- vibration of what the atom is made of isn't what you're hearing what you're hearing is the atom moving back and forth not vibrating like an actual movement of the entire atom itself is what's making the sound wave can we define what a frequency is uh basically how fast you're vibrating or but also vibration is a relative term because an atom can be vibrating and vibrating like if you're holding an atom that's not moving it can still be vibrating right back and forth and you can take that vibrating atom and move it back and forth with your hand and it would be vibrating in two different ways just on its own from its uh, relative like if a camera were to follow it back and forth in your hand 
right? You're moving the atom back and forth in your hand. The camera's following it. It doesn't look like the atom is really moving, but you can see it vibrating, right? Just stand still. Now, if the camera stopped moving and it and your hand kept going back and forth, it would see the atom vibrating and vibrating in the sense of it going back and forth with your hand. I don't so, know if any of that made sense. I mean, you're saying it could be double vibrating, but I don't know why you had to make it so complicated. <laughs> it'd be vibrating on different levels. Like, oh, yeah, it could I gotta, be vibrating itself, and it could be vib- vibrating outside of itself. So I've, it could I've, be bumping into another atom, moving around as it's vibrating. I've got a better example. Okay, so let's say that you're on um, a machine with, with wheels, right? And this machine goes back and forth, left and right, left and right. Your entire body is vibrating at a very slow frequency, Right, because you're big, it takes time to move back and forth. Point is, you're vibrating. Left, right, left, right. I don't like vibrators. In this little cart. Now, here's where the second vibration comes in. Now, let's say you're sitting still on the cart, casually uh, vibrating left and right. But we get it. But then you start, like, having a seizure. (laughs) Now you're double vibrating. You're vibrating in terms of a larger scale, like your whole body, but then also you're vibrating in terms of a smaller scale, as in what is just your body not the whole system how does this correlate um basically when you're hearing sounds you're not hearing the vibration of the quarks or leptons or whatever you're hearing the vibration of the whole atom itself yes i'm done that's what <laughs> that's what we just said earlier yeah i just wanted to say it in a different way oh okay yeah, sorry but so you don't think these external vibrations can affect the internal vibrations you're saying that if, like, we had a machine to change the string vibration to make different particles? Yes. I think it's hypothetically possible, but of course that is a field that science has yet to... Can you can you alter matter by sending a mass frequency towards something else, like this, this bed? I just, like, s- send a bunch of different atoms freq- vibrating at, like, a, such an extreme frequency that it goes and changes this matter, like, or not this matter, the atoms that make up this bed down to its finest atom to make it like a giant blob. You're saying shake the atoms so hard that the things the atom is made of start shaking different? Yeah. Um, I don't know. Maybe. There's theories, there's science. This is is an entire college course that we're getting into. This is all theoretical physics. I I wouldn't even say college course. It's more than a college course. And like you said, theoretical physics, which is a constantly evolving field. Yeah. But in theory, in theory, we can take your bed and turn it into a solid block of gold if we had the right machine to change the vibration of each individual string. But that's just string theory, and that's assuming string, assuming string theory is right. Yeah. Which I think, I think the latest is like kind of a hybrid between string theory and this other something, quantum continuum, something like that I forgot the name of. But like I said, it's an ever-evolving field, and 10 years from now, this could be incredibly outdated. And wheels sound stupid. Yeah, but so did... Other people who thought that the Earth was the center of the universe. Yeah. Was it Copernicus that said the sun was uh, the center? I want to talk about how this could correlate with um, universal harmony. Okay, universal harmony. Go. Yes. So, there's some... As we know, nature vibrates in a specific frequency as well, right? 
bees vibrate at the note of D. I think this. I'd think say notes of B because they can vibrate at different speeds to like yeah. go faster or slower. So like everything has a specific frequency, and I believe that nature communicates through music and vibration as well. Like, have you seen those um, tests that have been done? Um, like they put sand in like a flat surface and then play uh, sounds in different frequencies, and I like makes these abstracts abstract shapes yeah abstract shapes and all that that's the that's the or that's what do you call it origami that's the shape that the atoms are vibrating in but we're just able to visualize it through sand so that's all around us all the time yeah yeah the the way that they're moving through the air um but I don't think that it's necessarily a communication. Technically speaking, uh, voices, sounds, growls would all be communication through vibration. Like what we're talking right now, going into the listener's ears, that is communication through vibration. Yes. Yes. Is that what you mean? Yeah, it creates art as it's traveling through air. Oh. Yes. Yes, art that we can't see, except that's that's almost two-dimensional art. If we had like... The ability to make like some sort of 3D sand or maybe like pigment, make some smoke in the air and send vibrations through there. Maybe we could visualize a 3D. Actually, I think a simulation would probably be a lot easier nowadays to visualize the 3D look of it. First, it would start as a spherical ripple, right? But then as it bounces off of things, it would change, right? I think so. Like a big ball, and then we send the frequency to it, and it just morphs into the the way that vibrates the atoms. No, this is this is an entire field of physics. I'm not sure that we should be going too much into detail. I personally haven't looked up on those physics myself. Yeah, I don't know about any, anything about blobs either. Yeah, well, that's a cool, interesting idea. Um, how about binaural beats? What? Binaural beats. What is that? Binaural beats. What is binaural beats? Binaural beats is um basically it's playing sounds. Okay, so so your ears put together sounds, um, but they both no your brain. Jesus. All right. Okay. Let me try again. Your ears hear two different sounds. One in the left side, one in the right side. No matter what sounds you're playing, it's pretty much always going to be slightly different. Right, um, and your brain puts them together. Well, binaural beats tries to play um, things, and uh, it's hard to explain. There's a better explanation of it somewhere online, but it tries to take advantage of this to basically make your brain do different things. Um, and I, I couldn't tell you how. Right, most of the studies say that it's more placebo effect than anything. But the idea is that you can play these different kinds of frequencies, right? And they'll put it into music so it sounds nicer to listen to. But the main, the main point is to have a certain frequency in there somewhere that... Um, I think it was like one ear plays it slightly different than the other ear. Um, either that or both ears play it exactly the same. I forget, something like that. But then it's supposed to do things like... Um, Increase your energy or decrease your energy or make your uh, dreams weird. 
or uh, relax you and all that to basically affecting your brain in different ways using just sounds. There was one that I, I think I saw a while ago that claimed to give you an orgasm through sounds. Um, what? Yeah, I, I, I really don't. What? And like I said, a lot of the studies say that it's mostly placebo effect, but I wanted to hear your thoughts on this kind of idea. Do you think that would be possible if we got the right scientists in on it to create a more effective form of binaural beats? I think it could be. I think it's possible. You know those, like, sometimes I listen to this thing on YouTube. It's called, like, the the God Frequency. It's, like, 485 hertz, I think. And I think it's very relaxing, and it definitely puts me to sleep. All right. So you actually so, have experience this kind of thing. Yeah, I, li- I like listening to that stuff. Sometimes I listen to, like, the, what is it called? B, B412 or something, like the, the Minecraft sound composer. You know that artist? No, are you talking about the old Minecraft music? Yeah, dude, I love that stuff so much. It's like so nostalgic and relaxing, and I listen to it and I go to sleep. Yeah, even like like just the super simple ones, like they're just so pleasant. Like whoever did that is, is pretty great. Oh. Yeah, I don't know, cause like it doesn't follow the the usual composition of music. It like skips some notes or something. It's got its own. It's almost like its own little genre he's created. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like a like a like an a branch of lo-fi almost. Yeah, lo-fi is dope. I like lo-fi. Yeah, yeah. I definitely think uh, binaural beats can be possible. I still want to know the genre, because you you kept calling it old '80s music, but it was like Frank Sinatra. Oh, what's going on here? I'm giving myself more rope. There we go. Like Frank Sinatra, like the the old sort of chill, almost jazzy. But like not quite jazz. I don't know, bro. I just I like the sounds. <laughs> like even even when you can hear the old timey kind of staticky sounds in it, I feel like it adds to the effect of the song. I think it's like a form of jazz. I think that's what it is. I think it's a form of jazz. I think personally, I enjoy it so much because it. Oh, did I get you hooked on it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, I just Welcome I, to the dark side, brother. The second that I go back to work and it's like slow again, I'm going to start looking for for the genre name. Um, just the two of us. What I do right now, though, is I just put Frank Sinatra, that one song. I forget what it's called. But uh, I put that on a radio on Spotify, and it just plays a bunch of songs like that. Uh, is there any other good songs like that? I don't remember any of the names. I've liked a few of them, though. I'll show you later. I need to do that. If I had Spotify. (laughs) So how about, like, metal? Does that ever get you pumped up? Metal? Yeah, because some people say that they can listen to whatever they want, and it doesn't really affect them. Dude, there's some songs, like Mother by Danzig, or... um, Wood by Alice in Chains or like Man in the Box by Alice in Chains. Yeah. It like makes me run through it makes me want to run through a drywall and like start beating some people up. Like <laughs> ah, just run through the drywall and start punching some random person. That's that's okay, so so you agree with me. I am personally a very strong music empath. Like like uh the eighties the music that we were talking about earlier, um, it almost makes me feel high. 
like lo-fi makes me feel relaxed and calm and still thoughtful right but like i get a specific sense of euphoria with that that older you said 80s is that what it is no but it's like 50s 50s oh it's old 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 yeah 50s music i guess um because i was listening to it in the car with him earlier taking him over to the dentist uh, a couple days ago i think and he started playing it and one of them went on repeat and it just repeated the whole time. And it was like a gray cloudy day and it was perfect. Oh my God. We didn't even notice it was repeating at first. We just kind of let it keep going the rest of the time. I forgot. It was like from French song. I forgot what it was called. Louis Armstrong did a trumpet on it. Like Louis Lavoie de... Maybe the Rose. Rose? Rose in there? Yeah. La de Ro- Viva Viva de La Rose Something like that People who know it Know it by now <laughs> I guess Yeah Alright If well. you picked up from that Yeah <laughs> well, But yeah I love music man It's like It makes Life better No literally It's Well Oh There's another thing I can introduce To this Kind of topic I think music is another drug Keep going Artificial intelligence and composition of music for the future of humanity. Ooh. I think, I think, I personally think, the dawn of AI is going to be the end of human creativity. Because we're not going to make anything anymore? Yes, it's going to be all AI generated. Because it's all better when it's AI, huh? Uh, better in a sense that it is soulless and empty, yes. But then also, you got to remember... Music right now is soulless and empty. The modern music has lost its cre- creative edge. Everything is a sample from another th- thing, and I think it's disgusting. Well, that's why I like rappers like NF and and Jack Harlow, because um, oh, what is another one? Logic, because like they they really they really rap from the heart. They sing from the heart. And then there's um, other genres like Asking Alexandria. It's one of my favorite. Um, just obviously I like the band the way it sounds but it's like a really genuine um, from the heart kind of songs especially especially one of the latest albums um, but then like you have let's say if you have AI creating music they're like I don't know I feel like it could be convincing enough to to relate to whoever's listening to it because it doesn't have to be from the heart of another person as long as it touches yours I think that loses soul. You're sampling other artists to create something. Well, every music, every sound that we create is sampling something that we've heard before and putting it together in different ways. Not necessarily. You think that there'll be a new genre of music if everything is copying other things? There'll be no more evolution. Like I said... It'll all be one type and it'll be AI. Like I said, you're taking it pieces from other things but doing them in different ways. You're rearranging them, maybe tweaking something here and there, experimenting to find new ways of doing it. So, let me put this... So you know classical music, right? Yeah. Beethoven, all of that, the Western? Yeah. And then... There's the blues. It was uh, black slaves who were doing field work, singing, chanting, just like I was talking about before. Those two different genres of music have nothing in common with each other. From the blues was created rock and roll, right? Right. And classical composers hate rock and roll because it it messes 
or like it skips notes and it doesn't go in like the the correct classical format. It's very cowboyish, you know. Yeah. So these were created without sampling each other. That's fine, but you got rock and roll from sampling blues, and you got I don't know lo-fi from sampling classic. That was yeah. a big stretch, but you, you know what I mean. Lo-fi from sampling <laughs> classic. I'm not the history guy. Here. <laughs> no, but you you know what I mean though. Like the everything that's evolved is evolving from something. Even the first musics evolved from this sort of experimental sound, and they started playing with sounds and making their own thing. It didn't just yeah, bam classical. I guess you're missing the point is that AI will mash everything together, not little things to create new things. Why would you assume that? I don't think that's true. Because that's what AI is. It uses the internet to combine everything and serve it to you on a plate ready and fresh and hot. Well, that's not... No, it's it's not... It samples everything, but it's selective. It doesn't use everything it samples. It looks for what would be good for this particular situation, which is the same thing that we do when we create new music. We look at our history, the sounds we've heard before, what we've experimented, and we don't use it all. We don't sample... We sample everything, but we don't use everything. Um... I guess... Yeah, because it's not just, for example, when you ask Bard, right, ask Bard um, how to make a recipe, it samples everything that it can from the internet with those keywords. Let's say you ask for a muffin recipe. It's going to sample muffin tops and look at a bunch of bellies with skin hanging over pants, but it's not going to use those. It's going to copy some person who put their heart and soul to creating a fresh, hot, ready, sweet muffin recipe and just give it to somebody else for free. No, you're what you're talking about is a search engine. What what AI is is it looks at that, takes notes, looks at another one, takes notes, looks at another one, takes notes, and it actively processes. It looks for reasons, too. It looks for research, experiments. Whatever it can find to add data, and it processes it. It says, okay, well, if we add this much sugar, this happens. If we add this much sugar, that happens. She said she wanted it fluffy, so we'll do this much and that much. It, it, it creates its own creation from an amalgamation of all the other things, which is the same thing humans do. When you're creating a new recipe for muffins, you don't just say, let's try a Pop-Tart and some sugar, and maybe it'll work. Now, you take recipes that you've known before, and you do what you can. You experiment, you change it up a little bit, maybe do some research, and figure out your own thing. How do you think muffins were created in the first place? Experimentation. Let's try this random Pop-Tart. That's how it was created in the first place. Yes, and if you... Okay, so... um... You will create nothing new. You'll just keep copying other things. It'll just be a copy and paste of everything. Which is the same thing that a muffin was. The first muffin ever from experimenting wasn't, let's toss a blanket in here because I'm trying random things. It Uh, was, I know that flour grows, I know that eggs grow, I know that sugar is nummy, and I like this shape. Let's see if this works. You piece together other things that you were already familiar with. And Bart is not familiar with anything. Bart is going to copy. Bart is a search engine. What are you talking about? Bart, and it's the same thing that humans do. We don't just come up with something we get that information from something else you don't come out of the womb with brand new ideas you learn from your environment and after 20 years of learning you've got some ideas that you can use to experiment with we do come up with just new things okay so you believe that 
And when an idea pops into your head, it doesn't have to be built from any of your past experiences. I mean, to some degree, but we do, as humans, try random things and see if it works. Define random, a random things, thing. Like, the first person to compose a note. You think that, he's like, if I put my finger here like this, I have a previous experience of this finger placement. No, he doesn't. He just puts his finger right there. I was like, ooh, this sounds good. Let's write this down. He was experimenting. He's just trying random things and see what works. It's a the per, the first person to create the staff notes. He's like, "Ooh, I could put this dot here and this dot here to identify this specific finger placement and create this note to make it sound like this." So a person across the globe, I can just give this paper to him. And show them how it works, and they can play it the exact same way I okay, do. Okay, okay, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. I agree. Um, I mean, I'm sure that like over time it would evolve, but I, I totally agree. It would, it would definitely not have this sort of burst of expression that we have in our age. I mean, maybe if it's like mixed with quantum computing and it can think of for itself, it will do these things. But I still think it's going to be just. I feel like if you get an AI smart enough and told it to experiment and create something new, then yeah. you could probably j literally just try random things. Tell it to try random things if that's the biggest issue. Infinitely. That's what it has the power, to infinitely try things. In which case, it would be even more creative than humanity. And then humans would be Obsolete. useless. So. And that's how we die. Thank you for listening, people. You guys had a good time. Remember to stay outside the box. Bro, this this podcast took a turn. We just started talking about music and then just death of humanity. The singularity. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, well hope, hope that wasn't too depressing. Yeah. Sorry. Just kind of took a turn for the worse. I love you, though. See you guys next time. <laughs> Try to stay outside the box. Thanks for listening.